Remember that movie about Esther that they made? No? Well, it has 10 million views on YouTube, so someone must have seen it. That was One Night with the King. And this is God Bella's. Godfellas, might I say a very special episode of Godfellas, Godfellas, if you will. I don't know if that's helpful or not, but (laughs) that's our little nickname for the show. I know you're probably thinking to yourself, hello, where is Zach? (laughs) Where are the Godfellas? Um, Well, I'm Miss Hannah, right? I'm your host today. You might remember me from a few episodes of Godfellas this year, but... Tonight, and tonight only, I will be the primary host of Godfellas. And you're thinking to yourself, why is this? Why is Hannah hosting Godfellas? Well, after a deep discussion about wanting to highlight the story of Esther and a movie surrounding that idea, Zach and the rest of the Godfellas, including myself, had to reflect on the importance of the story of Esther and maybe who should be the ones spearheading the conversation about this story for such a prominent figure in both Judaism and Christianity, Queen Esther herself. And it was decided that maybe on this episode, we should let some of the women that we know and love so dearly and value their opinions to share more of what they believe the story of Esther to be about, and more about the film aspects of the movie as well, which we'll get into in just a few moments. So tonight, and tonight only, I I guess for the foreseeable future, we don't know. It's going to be me joined by another lovely lady to talk about Esther, more specifically the film One Night with the King. So will our guests please stand? Ladies and gentlemen, tonight we have a special treat for you. We have an artist, a poet, a musician, a passionate speaker with us. She just graduated a few years ago with a bachelor's in international studies and a minor in sociology. And now she's moving to Scotland this fall to pursue her master's. Please welcome one of my best friends, Miss Natasha Bate. Yo, 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 what's up? (laughs) Hey, Hey guys. Hello. Hello. Welcome, Natasha. Thank you. Um, Thanks for having me um, on this wonderful, beautiful, incredible podcast. Um, Thanks for hosting, Hannah, a queen. You are welcome. (laughs) Um, great. Well, we're, I, I know not, not just I, but the rest of the real boys are excited that you're joining us tonight on the pod. We have a couple of questions just to kind of get started. We like to, we like to, I'm considering myself one of the main hosts <laughs> getting in that, that role. Yeah, I love um, that. There's a couple of questions I have for you kind of before we dive in. First one being, how did social justice and biblical justice impact your faith? Big well, question. yeah, that's. A huge question. We love to see it. Um, uh, well, okay. I, I'll start by saying just like when I think of social justice, I think of Jesus and 
Hmm. Like, <laughs> like biblical, what was the other word you used? Biblical social justice and biblical justice. Biblical justice. Yeah, because I think that they intertwine a lot. But yeah, you know, there's yeah, I think there's a a source. I mean, for me, there's a source in social justice that comes from biblical justice. I mean, the first, the first, uh, I guess the first way I learned about it was through, through the Bible and growing up, um, in a home that, um, highlighted that. Um, but I would say, uh, well, what, what was exactly the question? How did social justice and biblical justice impact your faith? Um, it's impacted my faith (laughs) in many ways. Um, I think, uh, a large part of Christianity or the church, um, sometimes struggles to focus on, um, social justice, uh, because they're afraid in my experience, it comes from just like a fear of sinning or a fear of supporting people who sin or whatever it may be. Um, there's this fear base and we end up sitting in this like, kind of like little bubble of, um, you know, we just kind of will protect our faith. We'll protect Christianities. We'll, we'll protect Christians. And to me, I guess what started, what sprouted with, uh, social justice sprouting with the Salvation Army and sprouting with like helping people, um, in need, um, then went to college, like learning more about uh, racial justice, learning more about gender inequalities, learning more about things like that, um, kind of just grew this social justice desire in me to kind of root for the underdog, root for the people who have been really oppressed. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, yeah, I don't know. I guess that's just continue to grow. Everything I really do is with Jesus is, is with Holy Spirit is with God. So when learning more about that, it kind of just confirmed what I had read in the Bible, what I understand Jesus to have stood for as well. So it just kind of grew together. Um, I mean, of course there's questions you have in both, but, um, and how that, that sometimes they can conflict, but, um, just like, I think science (laughs) uplifts the Bible. Um, I think social justice uplifts the Bible as well. I think they, they go hand in hand. Yeah. Definitely, I agree. Um, and to kind of on the same track, but a little bit of a different perspective, do you feel that your love for social justice was influenced by being a woman? Or I guess, how did your faith change and evolve growing up as a woman in the church? Yeah, I mean, yes, of course. Um, <laughs> the answer is yes. <laughs> um, is it yes? I don't know if I got that. Um, yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely, yes, it's definitely, um, I'm shaking my head. Uh, I, I grew up as a daughter of the one and only Carol Jean Boise. Um, she is a queen herself. Oh, yeah. We love her. Yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> she is a powerful woman. Like, you can't grow up with a, a powerful mother, uh, without, you know, understanding how that conflicts with society. And how that conflicts with the church. And I think, I mean, I have three powerful sisters as well because they all grew up the same way I did. And um, something that the church and just society has not recognized in women or in the past, I, maybe we're moving in that direction, but something, a huge thing that um, society kind of rejects in women is leadership, is uh, like a powerful voice. 
is someone who speaks yeah. their mind and speaks it with authority. Someone who's not afraid to um, learn and be intelligent and stand up against things. Um, a lot of the time I come in conflict with people because of my gender, because of being a woman, because I argue, I argue. And, and it's not like a rude arguing, you know, but it's just like, I, I have points of view and I'd like to share my points of view. And a lot of times that really bumps up against um, men in general. But yeah, so I grew up watching my mom speak her mind and, and do it well. And that's conflicted. Mostly, I, I didn't see it as being a woman. I just saw her as being my mom. And it didn't click for me until I went to college. Because the Salvation Army does let us have women preachers. So in my head, I didn't think anything of women speaking their mind, right? Um, mm -hmm. But I went to college and <laughs> the huge news came to town where I found out <laughs> <laughs> the entire rest of Christianity doesn't like women preaching. Um, not the entire right. rest, that's super dramatic. But like, I, I was so confused. Yeah, there's a good number of denominations that yeah. don't. And that sparked it for me. That really sparked it freshman year. It was like a, it was like, that's where the fire kind of started to grow because I was confused. And I was like, no, wait, what? I was, it, it, it's like invalidating my whole childhood, invalidating my mom, invalidating my voice. And um, yeah, I mean, that's where it started. And it, we've just snowballed since then. <laughs> so I do want to preface this conversation by saying, I think we want to address some of the more deep and hard to talk about themes in the story of Esther, because, well, that's kind of our big question of the night is what's the danger in kind of glorifying the beauty pageant aspect of the story of Esther to now what we actually interpret it as. So I just want to give a trigger warning before we begin. We're going to be talking about racial oppression, um, deep racism, as well as human trafficking and sexual violence. Of course, we're going to keep it as gentle and loving as possible. But if you need to take a step back, you know, pause, maybe walk away, come back and listen with someone else, have someone there to talk about if you can. We definitely want you to be part of this conversation, but we respect anyone that needs to step away for personal reasons. Please take that. Mm -hmm. um, so we're going to dive in. Do you want to also say Zach is here? He's just muted. You might hear him pop on. <laughs> He's monitoring the call, monitoring the chat, and he approves this message. Settle up your horses. One Night with the King. Movie about the story of Esther. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, let's just let's just talk about, let's address the big thing. How has the story of Esther been told in this movie, but in other maybe film depictions that we've seen before or ways that we've heard the story talk about like in church or mm. in class. Well, I kind of wonder what you have experienced Hannah, because I think it's been told in the same exact way as they told it in the movie, <laughs> my whole childhood or life like church. Um, maybe, and, and maybe I won't say it is fully, I don't know the fault of the church. Like maybe, maybe it's not that maybe what it is is that they're trying to be gentle 
in explaining it and, and showing it in like a gentle way. Um, however, I don't think that's helpful at all. Like, because this is a hard conversation and they're trying to relate a very difficult, um, situation, like story into like modern mm-hmm. day, just like <laughs> white evangelical life. We're just sitting and like trying to make us characters in it. And that's a really hard thing to do at that age, like growing up and trying to learn this story. And, um, I haven't seen it been done well at all. Um, so yeah, I want to know your experience as well, Hannah. Like what, what do you think? Yeah, I think it's been a lot of, wow, isn't Esther so lucky that she was chosen (laughs) to become this beautiful woman that gets everything she ever wants. And now she gets to be a queen, you know, live that princess life that girls always want, which isn't the case. Mm. Um, And yeah, I would say the story, like the film adaptation I resonated with the most was the VeggieTales version, which I watched right before yeah. this because oh, did I you really? begged, funny. yeah, I begged Zach to watch it with me. Um, <laughs> he gladly said yes, don't worry. <laughs> but um, yeah, and I think what's important to note about that one, for me, that I love that they got right in that was the timidness and real meekness that comes with Esther when she's like, I cannot go before him. Yeah. Like, you know, and when she's building up that courage, I was crying listening to Paw Grape talk about like, you know, maybe this is the whole reason that you're here, right? Yeah. Like bringing up that verse of maybe like such a time as this for you to be queen. And I'm like sitting there like, yeah, Yeah. (laughs) maybe it is. (laughs) Um, but I will also never forget the first time as an adult, I was like, I'm going to read Esther and, and like write notes about it. So I like went back and this was after I graduated college too. So this was like pretty, like pretty recent. Yeah. I went back and I remember texting my sisters right away and being like, excuse me, why have we never actually like taught the story as it happened? Which is like, we talk about how, oh, well, all the women were chosen and then they went through this trial to, you know, become queen. But when you actually think about what that means and you read about there was a harem and concubines and eunuchs. And when you finally know what all of those words mean, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it is a lot more serious than what we've been taught. I think personally, I think that. The VeggieTales version, great introductory videos to the story, which talk about one of the main themes, which is, you know, being chosen for a task you don't feel prepared for and finding the courage to do the right thing. Um, I think that's important. But I think that, you know, and I've talked about my career before on this podcast, you know, I teach violence prevention and I start teaching students about consent and ways Mm -hmm. to protect themselves from violence around middle school and high school. Yeah. And so as kids get older, crazy belief, here I go for it. I think we should start introducing really a deeper message about the sexual violence and, you know, the deeper root of the racism mm. that is occurring in this story. I think that's not a crazy idea. I think that's a very obvious and should be done and should have, should it should have been done prior to us talking about it now. Um, I also would say just mm-hmm. like a small mention. I, I don't think Esther's preached on a lot. 
Like, do you feel like that's a story mm-hmm. that you hear often? Like a woman, you know, saving the day, obviously is like not something. I mean, I don't hear besides that women's conferences. I honestly don't hear many stories about women preach like Deborah. I feel like we never talk about Deborah. We mentioned her yeah. when we're thinking like a woman in the Bible. We're like Deborah, but like preach, like literally preach and not at a women's conference, like just on a Sunday morning. And Zach put in the chat here, I want to highlight, um, and I agree that we've really only heard Esther being spoken about in Sunday school. I mean, I think it was briefly covered. I attended a Christian school my entire upbringing from Mm -hmm. like preschool through college. So of course, you know, if that was part of the curriculum, we'd talk about it. But again, never to the extent it was always sort of highlighting just the courage aspect of Esther. And I think I did get a little bit of insight into, you know, the conflict between the Persian Empire and the Jewish people, but not enough to talk about really what that meant. Yeah. Um, and that I heard Haman a, wanted, you know, yeah. mass genocide. Yeah. That's, you know? that's what he was asking. I mean, he was asking <laughs> yes. for it. He was just saying, yeah. let's just kill an <laughs> please. Yeah. No. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I actually have heard, uh, I, I might've been like, this may just be me, but I've heard more about like, even in those stories, I've, I've heard people really point out Mordecai, like, and like, mm, shout out mm-hmm. to Mordecai, I love him, but also like, they'll really emphasize Mordecai and be like, and then Esther obeyed and, <laughs> and then yeah. Esther had the courage to stand up and risk her life. But also Mordecai right. was the one who told her to do it. Well, let's just start diving in, right? Let's, yeah, let's do that. This movie kind of takes the perspective of Esther. I believe it was actually a book first and then was turned into a film. Have not read the book. I did see the movie One Night with the King. Um, I did a little bit of research. Oh, we love the research. Um, <laughs> research queen. Thank you. Um, <laughs> about this film. And I think what it does is it really takes the approach of the love story between King Xerxes and Esther. Which is a huge yikes. But that is the theme Big that yikes. they went for. <laughs> it's, I'm sorry, we're not even in it yet. Keep going. <laughs> no, it's okay. And I just think at the start of it, you know, they're starting this, they're starting the movie. And I really don't think, you know, the, when it started, I was kind of like, eh, okay. And then the more I watched it, the more, like, and I don't know what their goal was. Was their goal just to make a movie based off of the book? Was their goal to retell the story that's written, um, you know, as it was? Or, like, what was the goal? Because, like, scripturally, it's, it's the not goal, accurate. Yeah, was the goal a, the slightest. Was the goal uh, a rom-com? Like, was that what we were going for? Yeah. Like- <laughs> and right off the bat, it starts with Esther with Mordecai in their home. And she's very much got this dreamer aspect of her. It feels very Disney princess. Yeah. Like birds are chirping. Yeah. It seems like she wants to be queen. Like from the beginning, she's like, I just want a grand life with, with love and royalty. Cause it doesn't, she like, she runs off with that guy, Jesse, which where is he in the Bible? I think, okay. So to start, we're talking about Esther. I think, um, she also came off as a very strong personality to begin with. Like a big, mm-hmm. big personality. She would walk the streets and her friends would follow her. And then she was reading to the kid. 
Esther, Esther, read to us, read to us. And which is like, that is Belle, right? We're talking about like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> like that. Right. She's oh, running through isn't the street. That's amazing. Yeah, no, that's that's the vibe I got from it. Like, like she's just running through the streets and like everyone wants her attention. And her relationship with her uncle seemed, I don't know, culturally for that time, it didn't seem like that would be super accurate just the way the way it came off. But I don't right. I mean. Yeah. They also did make the choice, because I said this earlier, too. They made the choice in the movie to make Mordecai her uncle mm-hmm. when he's, I believe, her cousin. Yeah. In the... Yes. So I, I wonder where that choice came in. I mean, was it to help kind of the age gap? Because I probably, I believe that as Mordecai was her caregiver, like... He was older. There probably was a significant, yeah, a significant age difference. So maybe it was to just kind of help translate that. But... Yeah, it felt it it feel like very like fairy tale. I'm I'm loving the life I'm in. Mm. But she also is like wishing to go back to where her people came from. So it it's it's I, I feel like it's there's a little bit of confusion in the writing and just the exposition of what what do we think that she wants? Mm. Yeah. You know? Yes. Like, I would agree with that. Also my my first thought, my initial thought when it, the first scene came on I was like, okay, so we're starting off the bat going with white characters here. <laughs> it's like, yeah. we're just going to start with this. Okay, now I know where this film is going. Like, we're starting with white characters <laughs> for this film and we're like tanning first... them. We're putting we're putting tan on them yeah. and we're making them look darker. Because um, that was my first time because that's what they did. Because yeah. if I looked up photos of these, because I, I didn't want to be like insensitive. So I did definitely look into these actresses and actors to look oh, at yeah, their backgrounds yeah. to see if I'm being insensitive or if I just think that they're white and their pictures, I swear are so much whiter than they are in this film. Like their skin color is not what it looks like in this film. And I'm talking about specifically um, Esther, obviously, and um, yeah. the King, the King as well. He's, super yeah. white he's a super white dude i don't know what the choice was there just in general costume and makeup for the king. oh the <laughs> king looks not, like no i know what not they were vibing going with for. It. i know what they were going for i know what they were going for when you see when you walk through a bookstore and you're looking at the romance films i mean not films Stop. books <laughs> Stop. i know exactly what they were going for they're going for the man on the cover with the shirt like buttoned down all the way just like yeah yes yes that's what they were going for and they did it they did with his hair and that's everything completely accurate they really did it so congrats on them they that's, really that's what they were going for they really congrats. they really did it yeah i yet again we are seeing problems with christian media this was like two early 2000s this film came out of 2006 um, that was our Zach Checker, back checker, Zach Checker. <laughs> Shout out to Fantasmic. Um, there that like and I'm sure we've even seen it in more recent films. I feel like in more representations of Christian media, The Chosen, for example, mm-hmm. is more culturally accurate in its representation of actors and actresses. Yeah. Um, however, a major problem, especially in telling a story about racism to cast not only white actors one of my first notes that i took watching this movie is who is that white man and it was samuel um <laughs> i know um, <laughs> yeah, and, they went back to, and they were all like white 
old like white <laughs> old men too i was like oh wow yeah. and and painting people to reflect a skin like a skin color that they are not actually a race that they are not is i mean it's a completely type of, am i allowed to say that it's a type of blackface like are we yeah like, it is blackface is, i mean um, it's blackface like brown face i don't know if that's the correct term but yes yeah i mean blackface yeah for sure it's it's completely inappropriate and it mm-hmm. feeds into like <laughs> it's racism feeding into a film that's supposed to highlight the problems of racism yeah i mean they weren't really which the going film doesn't actually do yeah they weren't really going for that in the film anyway so i think right. that that kind of went over their head no offense to those people i'm not saying they're stupid or anything i'm just saying that I think the whole racism thing just like flew over their heads when they were thinking about the film in general. I think they took the whole, they took it and ran it with a love story, which confuses me when I read Esther, I don't ever, Mm. even when they taught it to us, they didn't teach it. I don't feel like they taught it to us as a love story. Like I, no, yeah, I, I don't, I don't even understand where you would get that from. Like there's not some like random chapter where, you know, they're that I'm missing where they have a connection and she's reading scrolls to him. And I definitely feel like growing up, there was a lot of kind of subtlety. And Natasha, you can tell me if you agree with this towards young women of like beauty treatments, preparing yourself to be beautiful, both mm-hmm. inwardly and outwardly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I think an important part about this story is, and it says in the scriptures, like Esther. People loved Esther for who she was as well as her physical appearance. Yeah. So it highlights that she was inwardly a great person. Like yeah. people loved to be around her. Yeah. The but eunuchs, there's such a highlight of like. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. No, no. You're. Oh, well, continue, I was just going to say that the eunuchs literally like were in favor of her. Like that's why she like got so many mm-hmm. opportunities because she was just a good person. She was just out here yeah. like being a good person. And they, they favored her because of that. And that helped her get where, to where she she was so like i don't even think that was an intention of hers i think that she just carried you know carried god's presence with her understanding god understanding carried her faith with her on her and she just was good because that's what she was taught to to do and to be right and i think that opened doors for her as we're going to see in a moment esther was chosen because she was a virgin one of the virgins yeah. all across this kingdom of Persia, which we know is 127 provinces from India to Ethiopia across so many lands. Yeah. You know, this is what was chosen. I see Mordecai in the scriptures, not necessarily highlighting that part about her, but really pushing her in the sense of like, you already know what's right. Yeah. I'm just helping you realize that you have the confidence for that. So going back to kind of what you said earlier, that they always make it seem like Mordecai is the true hero. I think what he really is is more like a coach yeah, for Esther. He's yep. more like, you've already got it in you. Like, yeah. you just got to let it shine. He's just an encourager. Um, like, his job was to encourage. Yeah. His job was to uplift. But there's one thing I want to talk about. And this is a personal belief of mine. Mm. Someone who I think is so villainized in the re- like the retelling of the Bible, but we don't talk about, like, we kind of just, like, label them as a villain and then just never talk about how we wrongfully villainize them. And that, for me, is Queen Vashti. Here we go. We're starting this. We're starting the story. Xerxes has thrown like a six month festival and he's like ending it with a week long party and everyone's drunk. Everyone's having a good time. And in his drunkenness, Xerxes is like, 
I want Queen Vashti out here and I want everyone to see how stunning my wife is. Yeah. And culturally, of course, he is the king. He is the head of the household as a male. What he says goes in multiple ways. Yeah. And when Vashti is asked to come forward, she says no. She really said no. She really went out there and said said no. no. She said no. And I respect her for that. (laughs) I I one million percent respect her. Yeah, I respect because her. I, I, I understand where culturally that was important to highlight how, well, understanding the culture of Persia, right? The empire of the time. How dare she say no to him? But now in a modern day retelling, I feel like we in the 2020 age are like, oh, Vashti. Yeah, she got kicked out of there because she was being withholding to her husband. All she did was say no to being like paraded around in front of a bunch of Drunk men that were hanging out with her husband. And who knows what parading around means? Like, we don't know what that actually looked like. That could look like her coming in and literally having sex with the king in front of all of those men. Like, who knows? Like, what could have, like, what it was like back then? Like, it, Mm -hmm. it was definitely less. Like, I, I'm just saying, like, they, they did not value, um, women in that sense so they were objects they were something to just show around and do with what we you know you you'd like so i i don't know yeah. i'm not saying that that's that's what happened i don't know the culture in that sense but i i respect her i respect, I respect her, her for saying no, no. Mm-hmm. and i think in the film actually said they no. did they did highlight i don't necessarily think that they highlighted her in a very in a poor way because Later, right. Esther does say, "Like, hey, so why did you, why did you ask her when you knew she was going to say no? Like, why did you do that?" Which I was, at, I was thinking the same thing. So I was there with Esther, like, "Why would you do that when you knew she wasn't going to come?" Xerxes consults with his posse of princes or council makers. Mm-hmm. I don't actually know their like official name, and they're like, "You know what? You should make a law that kicks her out." And so he's like, you know what? Fine. She's gone. A couple days later, he's like, what have I done? I've gotten rid of my wife. And they're like, no, you know what you can do? You can just find a new wife. So I don't actually remember in the film. Do they say just like eligible women? No, no, no. They go. I think they go and they literally just take them. Just take the women. They just take the women. No, I just watched it. Yeah. Okay, I how I prepared was to watch it right before the <laughs> film, so I'd have it fresh in my mind because I have a terrible memory. Um, but they literally just went and stole in the middle of the night. Like they just stole these the women right. in the um in the film. But it 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 wasn't. It was so weird because it was like they're stealing them. So you're like, that's bad. Don't steal the women. But the but then Esther and them would be like, oh, we're, we know they're coming. Like they could come for me. And it was almost like a a good thing. It was like, well, I could be the next queen or I could. And And I was like, they're literally stealing you in the middle of the night. Does that freak you out? I thought the movie did a really good job of like the terror of just like some soldier or guard like busting down your door and be like, her? Okay. Yeah. But like the soldiers were the terror and not like any of the other male characters <laughs> and I was like right that was like the, the, I feel like the only part that accurately like <laughs> <laughs> yeah no I agree I mean the, like, I agree yeah. horror. that was conflicting that the 
the guards made you afraid of the fact that they were taking her. But then they, and then they took her <laughs> and they took them and it was kind of like a jail cell in the beginning. Cause they were like afraid and they were like, is this where we're going to stay? She was like, uh, she was like, let's make the best out of the situation. She like found scarves and threw them around her friends and was like, you look so good in the scarf. Cause she was trying to like, do you remember this part of the film? I do. I didn't okay. agree with it. <laughs> I was confused by it. Sure. I don't actually know. No, I was confused by it because it, like when they came in, they were like scared and afraid. And then all of a sudden there's a bunch of jewels and they're like being thrown into this whole thing and, and they're excited. And I was like, weren't you just afraid? Yeah. It Like, <laughs> it's so weird because it's like one second Esther's like, can I be queen? And then the next second you see her like screaming and crying as she's being dragged away from her family. And then the next moment they're all scared. And then she's like, but here, let's make a good moment out yeah. of this. And she likes this guy, Jesse, one moment. And then Jesse's back is like, hey, run away with me. And she's like, oh, no, actually, nah. sorry. <laughs> I really am. I'm into this now. Mm, I just think, yeah, the whole harem depiction I had problems with. Wasn't it like after the first night? She wakes up and like pictures it's like snowing outside. And she goes and like runs circles in the field. Yes. Yes. And then What was that? I don't know what that was <laughs> at all. That was so funny. I was like, what's going on? From what I read, both in the scriptures and just in some film depictions I've seen before, what I imagine Esther was was like kind and complacent. Like didn't fight against the rules mm-hmm. and was kind to everyone, which is what made her so likable. Yeah. I just felt like they really highlighted her to be very bold with the eunuchs. And maybe she was. But for me, in a film, and now I'm speaking to the film aspect, when you're creating a character who has to find her voice by the end of the film, I don't think she'd be so bold with the eunuchs mm-hmm. as soon as she enters the harem. No character arc. We didn't have a character arc. Yeah. She was already bold in the beginning. Like, right, right. <laughs> she was already like, maybe they didn't show a huge bold moment for her, but she was pretty like, I don't know. She wasn't a passive person. No, I just think she was like, I, 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 I like to picture her as just like, she was very kind and she followed the rules. Yeah. But another thing too, like it says in the scriptures is that she and Mordecai would meet like every night at the gate or the garden, wherever they could. And he would remind her like, don't tell anyone that you're Jewish. But in the movie, she's talking about all these stories from the Old Testament. Yeah. And I'm like, you're not good at hiding this secret. You're trying your best, but it's not going well. And that was like, oh, what was that about? That whole, well, that goes into, just feeds into the whole romance part of it that I was confused by. Like, the whole Bachelor in Paradise situation we got going on here. of just like, you know, the best ones, like, I the most beautiful succeeds or whatever and she she just told that one story and then she got the attention of the king how much time do you think that the king spent with esther in real life i think very little so do you mind if i share my deep dive no let's yeah yeah i want to dive with you it'll be it'll be concise i did a small deep dive on because I, the whole time we're watching this movie, I'm saying to Zach, like, there's no way the harem was run like that. There is no way. Yeah. And I'm, I'm a little bit defensive of this story just for personal reasons. Like, mm-hmm. Esther is a really important character to me and someone that, you know, I really resonate with in my faith and someone in the Bible. So, like, I, I researched how the harem most likely worked. So, what happened was they all had to go through a 12-month beautification process yes. of, like, 
massaged or like baths. I don't know. Lots of like oil treatments. So however they did Mm -hmm. that to help the skin look the best it could, you know, they were very well taken care of, but this was, it was a full 12 months before they could see the king. And this was to kind of rule out a few different things. One of them being if any of the women that was chosen ended up being pregnant. Oh, well, yeah. Even though they chose virgins. Yeah. Um, which was stated in the scripture. I don't know. But in case one of the women was pregnant, that way she could have the child without it being like put on the king that he was the father. Got um, it. Yep. And then after that, they went through, they each got one night with Xerxes mm-hmm. and they would go in. And I, the movie actually got this pretty accurate. They could choose whatever jewelry they wanted, whatever clothing they wanted to wear. They would spend the night with him. The next morning, hint, hint, they would be sent to a second harem where they would live for the rest of their lives as a concubine of the king. Yes, this is what I thought. So I was confused when it was like she had so much time and she was just roaming around the whole place. And I was like, oh, she just seemed like they painted her to have so much freedom in this place. Yeah. And I was like, you're not some queen in like England or some like in the 17 this is gonna be so inaccurate but like in the 1800s like you're not you know you're not i mean you're not some woman in the 21st century like you were not just roaming around this house like and i think there was a lot more fear that went into this when you really break down socially and you know both of us you know i have a degree in social work you studied sociology and international studies we both have a social my yeah. aspect like coming into Culture, this social, like yeah. when you like yeah looking into this this is human trafficking yeah the I fact mean, that yeah. these women were uprooted from their homes never to return again and whether or not they were chosen as queen ultimately they would become someone for the king to choose whenever he wanted in the film when he's like mad at her or whatever for that second and his advisor whoever was like so you want me to get a concubine <laughs> I want me to get a lady for you. But then they painted him the king so well because he, we know he has like 600 concubines or whatever, but they painted him to be like someone who never used them or like, right. because they were like, oh, well, we know you're not like your father. So we're, you're not going to, you know, you're not going to need that. This is where I have a major problem with how we tell the story of Esther is we make it seem like, oh, Esther and Xerxes, pure until they were married. Absolutely not. I'm going to be real for a moment. Can I go off? Zach, do I have permission? (laughs) I got the thumbs up. Join me, Natasha, if you will. I will. Xerxes is not a good man. No, we don't stand him. He is, uh, and like, it's very clear that he is a pagan worshiper, and that's just a side. So like, from there, he does not believe in the same beliefs that the Jewish people would believe in, right? So those like kind of laws around purity and sex, virginity, all of those things are completely different than what he believes in his own, you know, beliefs of gods and whatnot. This is a man who is in charge of a huge empire who has power and control when he wants his sexy time. He's going to get it right. Yeah. With whoever he wants. He doesn't. Yeah. He doesn't care. So we cannot deny that these women are in a trafficking ring. Mm -hmm. All of them. Right. And how many, probably most of them, I don't know if there was anyone that wanted to be there, right? We, I can't say. But the majority of them had to spend one night with him 
and then how any, however many more he chooses whenever he wants. There is no way that all of those women consented. Yeah. And they were, yeah, I mean, taken away. yeah, there's no way that any of them consented. <laughs> I mean, right. I'm not trying to be like and that, but we look also at the historical context. We can guess that Xerxes was around 40 years old when this happened, when he was finding a new wife. And if you're gathering all the virgins in your empire, most of them are probably young and unmarried. So there are like 14. mid to late teens. I would say they were yeah. like 14, 15. Like this because, is some serious Because back then too, stuff. they got married, obviously super young, but they, the moment that you got your period, basically you were ready to get married. Like, because you could have children at that point. So you were like, yeah, yeah, you were around like 13. And especially Esther, who was then chosen as queen. We know that Xerxes liked her. He had a fondness of her. So he liked her personality. But knowing also that, you know, she was chosen because she was a gorgeous woman. Mm -hmm. So moving forward, that that was one of her responsibilities to like fulfill him, fulfill his needs. That was a role as a queen. And I want to call out like modern day Christianity for not talking about this sooner. Yeah. Because for all of the young adults out there, whatever background they come from, that have been taken advantage of, we talk about that the Lord seeks redemption for people who've been through sexual violence, that he is on their side, that there's justice. But if we don't highlight that this is a story that empowers survivors, where are they going to feel validated in that? So I know that's a crazy belief, but just calling it out. Well, I mean, yeah, I think there's maybe more dynamics than just the fact that she was standing up for her, you know, people. She was standing up for the Jews when she went yeah. to to go risk her life. But imagine not only doing it to stand up for your like the Jews or whatever, but you're standing up for you're standing up against your accuser. You're standing up against your, you know, like you're if you're the victim yeah. in this situation, then that that's hard on a million different levels. That's not just hard because it's the king and you could die. It was probably also just hard because this is the man who sexually assaults her probably often. <laughs> like this is like, yeah. you know, but like she didn't choose this life. She didn't choose to be queen. She didn't choose like, you know, right. to be taken and away I'm sure from her there's family. People out there that's like, right. There's people out there like, this is a very bold claim. We know that Xerxes really liked her. Like that is in the scripture that he was fond of her. He wanted to spend time with her, but there's nothing written about her opinion of him, which makes you think she was complicit. She never fought against him. As we switch gears to the other part of the story, Mordecai and Haman. First of all, what was this trying to make Haman sexy? Yeah, he was sexy. Okay. They were trying to make it seem like a, <laughs> okay, these I'm true sorry. feelings are coming out on the pod. <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't know we were I didn't know we weren't saying that. Okay. <laughs> it's okay. We know scripturally, and that's all I'm saying. I keep going back to the scriptures, which I guess isn't a bad thing on this podcast about Christian media. Um <laughs> Haman cannot stand Mordecai. Mm-hmm. Which in the film, I feel like they just really twist it into it. It kind of just started as like, oh yeah, Mordecai or like Haman doesn't like Mordecai, but then it's all of the Jewish people, which of course, yes, is correct in the scriptures. But like, I think what's important to highlight about Haman is like because he does not like one man, he's saying we need to get rid of all of them, mm-hmm. all of them. Like he's like extreme jumping. Where they just went like zero to a hundred real quick with Haman in this movie. What did you think of 
the portrayals of Haman and Mordecai I mean, and kind of their whole dynamic in this film. I mean, they made Haman like Hitler. Do you think, did you guys get that? Because with yep. the, with, we, yep, we, we both talked about because that. <laughs> with the, um, the symbol, right. And then the symbol on the flags and then her seeing the flags and being like the hate, like, I was like, Oh, okay. We're in a different century now. We're doing like, a different thing. Like I'm like, I'm like, they're literally doing like a Hail Hitler situation here with, um, I was really confused about that. Um, I mean, I get, I, no, I'm (laughs) just trying to like, no, I don't get it. (laughs) I don't get it. I don't get it. It's, it's hard because like, when you think about it, both trying to kill an entire race. Yes. So I get the connection, I guess, that they were trying to make. I just, it felt it felt like a little disrespectful yeah it felt yeah no 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 yeah definitely and it- to like you know what actually happened during hitler's reign and the holocaust and it, it just did not it was not i well don't done, understand I why don't you would make that connection like no i get no. why like I get, I get what they were thinking but i don't think it was culturally sensitive at all to do that yeah. and yeah. i think maybe a little triggering to be honest like it was like and it was oh, random yeah. and fast, and it just, like, happened straight away where you were like, hold on, are we, what are we doing with Hitler right now? Like, and, uh, yeah, I don't get, I don't get the Heyman, um, I, I don't, I don't actually think that they had many interactions to begin with, like, in the beginning or Mm-mm. in the middle, it was, like, the end, they, they had interactions where he slapped him. And I was like, was that the first, maybe it was me, I, I didn't miss it before, but I was like, was that the first time they had an interaction <laughs> was when he slap yeah. him on the street and then the next second he has to parade him around like i don't i i feel like that was maybe not um focused on enough yeah mordecai really wasn't a primary character in the film when in the story like he visits esther every single day he's the one encouraging her to speak up he's the one who tells her what Haman wants to do she does not go to like a rally he's holding with like half of the town there again her like giving away her identity of like her necklace in like the library reading the scroll like no because then that like if she like accidentally gives away her identity to Heyman early on it defeats the end of the story also i thought that scene was gonna go somewhere i was confused about but it didn't but i thought i was like why is he getting so close and being so creepy like they were gonna do like yeah are you alone yeah and she's like like that felt that felt like that was a weird dynamic they brought in and then popped off like they were like in it and then out and like i was second yeah i i feel like um the movie also with its portrayal of Heyman, they also make esther a weaker character in some ways in that like Mm. at the so at the end of the movie when um esther reveals like Haman is gonna kill my people which by the way in the bible she's <laughs> the king is like just ask me like just tell me what you want like and again like we know he's yeah. like, he literally said like ask me for yeah. half of the kingdom and like, you can ask for we more. Know he's like not a good dude but he was there like just ask me if you want something he likes her and he likes like, her yeah he definitely likes her yeah and so she's like if you love me please don't kill my people and he's like what's going on she goes that evil Haman. And the king gets like heated up and he goes out in the garden. And then it's in the Bible that Haman like gets on his knees and starts begging Esther like for mercy, like, please don't kill me. Please don't do this. And the king comes back in 
and sees him begging and he goes, you trying to assault my wife? What? Whereas in this movie, he like starts threatening Esther and he's like trying to choke her and stuff like that. You think I'm yeah, gonna and I was beg. just like, you think I'm this gonna... is so yes, stupid. I do because that's it what it says. Yeah, you should be begging because it want they wanted their big hero mer- moment with Xerxes because and and I'm not saying like the big hero moment as a joke like the music swells like he do- they he did yeah eight octaves and becomes cool when he's threatening Haman like we're gonna hang you bro and I was like great we're yeah. taking the story away from Esther and giving it to these two dudes who are not awesome yeah. I mean, I think Esther's mm-hmm. big moment <laughs> where she yeah. finally speaks up against her like oppressor of like someone wanting to kill her because she's Jewish and speaking up against a potential, most likely sexual abuser. Yeah, like, I think. That, and now it's the highlight of the men. I think that the king um, is a hero in this movie and maybe is the main character. <laughs> Like, I just like the way they painted him as like the attractiveness and that like she wanted him and that whole thing made him seem like irresistible and like this person to like impress and that he his his anger was righteous like a lot of the times like and it was like a confusing like I also am like there were so many things that I was confused about but one of the main things was also that when she met um, Mordecai in the garden they made this whole random other side storyline of him being like, are you cheating on me? (laughs) Are you cheating on me? And I, and then him being mad and like a righteous anger. And it was like, like you don't have hundreds of concubines. And that's why they weren't talking. Yeah. That's why they weren't talking because he was angry that because he thought she was cheating on him. Yeah. Not because I have major problems with that. Yeah. That, and and it's like she felt bad. I, I don't uh they painted him as the hero the whole time, I feel like. Um Right. And I did it, not like Sorry, that. were you gonna say something else? I was gonna say the one moment I do feel like I I liked the way they filmed it and I liked the maybe this and I don't know a lot about film. I'm so sorry to all the film buffs out there. But the cinematography, like the the one scene I really, really liked just like the passion of it or whatever was when she stormed in, you know, because I do actually hear me out. I do think that like she, I mean, the rain was maybe unnecessary and <laughs> that whole thing probably <laughs> a lot, but I a do, tad much. I do yeah, think but... there were that many people in the hall. Like, I think there were that many people that she walked in front of. I think there were that many people and that he had the pressure of all of the people around him. I actually believe that that's, that that's accurate so in that scene i did i was like okay this looks like and they and they tried to kill her like straight away and so i was kind of i was okay with that well folks it's about that time where we're going to use our manners natasha yes just as i offer you a watery probably day-old meat loaded with beans no cheese, no sour cream, no cornbread, with a pickle on top, bowl of chili oh. after church. Mm. Am I going to be offering you more of one night with a king? No. I would not like one night with a king. <laughs> yeah. Well, can you, you want to please share, yes. share your final, I will share. final thoughts of why not? I will share. Um, I think all of the wrong things were highlighted. 
Um, I think they the entire film was about the romance, like it was, um, was trying to bring in those kind of um, viewers. Um, I think it didn't talk about the sexual abuse through the sexual assault or the, the you know stealing of women the human trafficking i don't think it talked about Mm -hmm. the racial tension i don't think it talked about uh, literally anything that the story is actually about um and i just don't i i don't think it was well done i don't think even their characters were an accurate (laughs) depiction of so i will be having the chili instead even though i hate chili with every part of me yeah all right, Zach, what about you? What am I, as a man, what am I missing in the story of Esther? Just because, you know, naturally, as a man, like, there's a lot of stuff I'm not going to pick up on. Like, that's the way that it goes. And I think that, you know, men, we be educated on, you know, all the things that we miss. It's important. We need to be involved. We need to be on the receiving end of those conversations, I think. So when I look at this movie and I see that it's written by a guy, directed by a guy, based on a book by a guy, <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. no wonder the guys are the hero in this story, you know, because mm. don't know how to write this character of Esther. They just made her essentially a Disney princess, which I think is so bad and, you know, so insulting and you know i -hmm. I think that this movie is potentially pretty pretty harmful Mm -hmm. and and it kind of glorifies characters who should not be glorified and it really plays down the strongest character in the story and i'm thinking like how cool is it that like esther gets her own book in the bible it's like her and and ruth i think like i think they're maybe the only two and for this movie to have the audacity to make it about like the the men in the story yeah i don't it's just so it really like hurts my heart so yeah i actually think i think it's interesting i'm sorry i'm so sorry i'm gonna just jump really quick right back in but i think it's interesting what you said because i actually wonder in this moment i'm thinking like every character in that film except for esther was a man like they didn't talk about any other women at well like if i were to write this i think i would i would try to bring out some like if i am gonna fabricate a little bit i would bring out some characters within the women who were also chosen and the women who who didn't get picked as queen and like the dynamic of that like i would i would wonder what that was like and and try to depict that instead of just having more male characters have it just coming around the corner with jesse and all these like random like i i just feel like She's the only woman in the whole film, really, that was, like, highlighted. Esther is such an important story for me. And in just the last few years of my life, really clinging to this idea of how powerful it was that she chose to speak up and to put her life on the line, not only to save, but, well, to save all of her people first. You know, she says, like, I'm going to say something, and if I die, I die. So sacrificing her own life for her people, and then sacrificing her own life for the women who've been through this. You know, doing something that Vashti did, and Vashti got probably exiled for. We don't know what happened, but she's gone, right? And, you know, 
I think this is something I'm very open about, but as a survivor of sexual violence myself, needing a story like this in the Bible, needing to read it as I believe, and I fully believe this story to be full of women who have been put through abusive situations, who non-consensually had to spend time with the king, probably repeatedly, you know, who were put into this harem to do things that they didn't want to do to be taken away from their families. And to read that as to see Esther, though she never, as at least that we see documented in scripture, never speaks up and says this was wrong, that she still like abided by the laws, but still found a way to stand up to her abuser is so powerful to me. Yeah. And to hear Mordecai, Pograp is Mordecai. <laughs> Say when I was watching the VeggieTales one today about like, maybe like this is something that you were chosen for to think in my own life of, you know, maybe the fact that I do talk about what happened to me so openly, like maybe this is something I was chosen for, you know, knowing that God didn't want what happened mm-hmm. to me to happen, mm-hmm. but knowing that he takes that and uses it for good. Um, yeah. For his kingdom, for his glory to spread his love. And I fully believe that. And I fully believe there's been restoration and healing. But to think about this story of Esther, of how am I going to use my own voice to stand up for the people who, who need me to stand up, you know? And I just think like a movie like this is a slap in the face because you see it. You see, you see Vashti standing up against the abuse and no one believes her. But you see a small glimpse of hope with Esther. And I wish, I wish that more and I believe that there are, I do believe that there are leaders and believers that, that preach this. I read an article from Rachel Held Evans, make sure you rest in peace, um, wrote about what actually happened in the harem earlier today. Like, I know that there are people out there preaching it. I just wish we talked about it more because I just think it can do so much good for people out there. So yeah. I wish it was a different kind of chili, um, mm. but I'm saying no, no more one night with the king. Conclusion, folks, uh, please don't watch this one. I know it's free on YouTube and you might be tempted to check it out. Don't do it. Uh, instead, read the article Esther Actually by uh, Rachel Held Evans. We're going to drop it in the uh, the show notes. But um, yeah, folks, if you want to engage with us and you want to talk more about um, just the podcast and some of the subject matter that we brought up, you can engage with us on our social media handles, Facebook, Twitter, uh, Instagram. We are the real boys. If you want to engage a little further, we have a group called the real lounge where we have a more in-depth conversation and it's a whole lot of fun. But folks, um, I, I just want to give a very, I am very grateful to our, our host for today, Hannah. Uh, Anna, thank you for jumping on and taking over the episode and just for your honesty and your vulnerability. And that's really awesome. And also, and also Natasha Bates, Natasha Bates, thank you so much. First of all, I am so sorry that I made both of you watch this movie. (laughs) I genuinely, I I saw it in youth group as a kid and forgot how Mm. bad it was. So. 
I apologize. <laughs> um, but I'm very happy that we were you were able to have this conversation and I was able to say a thing or two. But Natasha, do you have anything that you would like to plug before we say goodbye here? You know, I'm just on regular social media. Uh, I'm Tosh Bait on most things. Tosh, like, point bait or whatever, the period. Um, but on TikTok, my name is... Um, it is... What is it? Oh, uh, my name's Hey, hey I'm, I'm Tosh. Tosh. Yep. Hey, I'm Tosh on TikTok. We'll drop a link in the show notes. Yeah, definitely pop it's on my TikTok. I, I sh- it's just me hanging out and having fun. Uh you know, some thoughts of mine I'll share on there. Um, some fits, some, you know, workout routines, just really everything <laughs> that you could think of. So if you're interested in that, um, in a random girl's lifestyle blog, blog, um, yeah, hit up my TikTok. Go nice, 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 nice. Again, thank you both so much. And everybody, uh, make sure that you tune in to our next episode of Godfellas where we will be joined by Chris Monroe and Joe Frost, and we will be talking about the biblical epic, The Ten Commandments. It's four hours long, so start watching it now, and uh, by the time you're done, you'll be ready to listen to that episode. (laughs) Anyway, folks, once again, thank you for listening. Until next time, I've been Mr. Zach. I've been Miss Hannah. And I've been Miss Natasha. Well, the adventure is over, we're all heading home, but I hope that you know, friends, you're never alone.